Hey guys, Bill here. The Bill Barnwell Show coming on in a moment. Just wanted to briefly mention our friends at ESPN Daily, hosted by Mina Kimes, a friend of the show. I believe on Thursday this week, it's going to be Mina Kimes and myself discussing the lessons of free agency. So check out that podcast. And of course, if you haven't subscribed already, subscribe to ESPN Daily with Mina Kimes. Subscribe to The Bill Barnwell Show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for doing that, and here comes the show. All right, joining us on the Bill Barnwell Show today, a frequent contributor, a friend of the show, a frequent podcaster, both for many other shows and for his own show as well. The wonderful Will Brinson of CBS is joining us. Will, how are you? I am doing fantastic, Bill. There are not many people who can say that they do more podcasts than our mutual friend, Mina Kimes of ESPN who does ESPN daily, but I am one of those people. You are 100% <laughs> one of those people because you have, yeah. there's no ESPN daily emergency podcast, whereas you have an emergency podcast every week. We did 14 podcasts in the first three days of free agency. It was fun. <laughs> it made, I tell you what it made, like it was like, like, yeah, I was, we were locked, you know, we were quasi quarantined and, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't really feel like it. Like it was like biz as usual. If you, cause if you come to the NFL and you're writing, like, I mean, you know how it is. Like you do your free agency trade grades, and I mean, you're not, you know, you're not exactly taking like lengthy sojourns out of the house that oh. often when you when you're when you're trying to grade free agency on a twenty four seven basis. And so, um, you know, I mean, for me, like, it, I, I think that the reality of our situation is starting to settle in now that we're getting to the uh, Geronimo Allison portion of free agency. Exactly. Like I, during free agency, I'm like, oh yeah, Kymie Fairburn. I want to write three hundred words in that grade, and my editors would be like. <laughs> Do you really need to do that? And I'm like, yes, I don't want to face reality. This sounds great. <laughs> as long as I just stay locked into this computer and just pretend like nothing's happening out there, it's fine. That's what the NFL is doing, so I might as well just engage in that universe. I don't want to get fined by Roger Goodell for questioning uh, the commissioner's wisdom as we approach the draft. But we have a lot to talk about still. Even though you did 14 podcasts, I did a lot of grades, there's still a lot of guys out there who don't have homes and – I want to get into you with you today about where some of these top free agents are going to go. And then I think at the end, maybe just talk about a trade or two that we think would make sense. But let's start with the free agents and let's start with, I think, the most notable player still out there who I think a lot of people were expecting to have signed by now, uh, who is Jadavian Clowney, star defensive end for the Seahawks last year, formerly of the Texans. So, well, let me start with this. Why do you think Jadavian Clowney is still a free agent? I think, Bill, that it is a uh, combination of economics and corona. And, um, I mean, I, I don't even mean that lightly. I just believe that uh, right now, in this current climate, when you have a guy like Judavin Clowney, who is still a technic, you know, he's still in his prime as a pass rusher at an elite position, um, you know, he would, in theory, in, in a vacuum of free agency, be able to command you know, something in the range of 21 plus 22, $23 million. A year. I mean, I don't know how high it goes. It depends on what the market would be. And, you know, teams are interested. Like if there were, if teams were able to, to move, if players were able to move around, you know, at will the way that they usually are in these free agency periods and take trips and, 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 and do all those other things. I think Clowney would have a huge market. Um, but because teams can't give him a physical, uh, because he wanted more than maybe what teams, originally had slated out to, to potentially pay him in mm -hmm. free agency during that first wave, he's now hit a point where 
he either has to take way less than he wants, so like thirteen to fifteen million a year, maybe, or on a one-year deal, fifteen million dollars, mm-hmm. something like that, or. Um, and what I think Bob Condotta of the uh, Seattle Times wrote recently, or he may just try and ride out, ride out COVID-19 and get closer to, tra- you know, just see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. And if he's able to visit teams and all that, maybe he can strike something up. But it does feel like, you know, if he, if he wanted a deal right now, he might have to take a one-year prove-it deal for way less uh, than he would, he would like to. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of that one-year prove-it deal, I mean, you mentioned Bob Kondaterich for the Seattle uh, newspaper there. I mean, the Seahawks would theoretically be in the discussion. They need pass rushing help. They haven't really replaced Clowney. Um, Bruce Irvin, I mean, it's not going to be Jadavian Clowney. Who else among the NFL do you think would look towards Jadavian Clowney? And who do you think would be a great fit for Jadavian Clowney on that sort of one-year deal? I mean, I just keep coming. I mean, I know that this, I mean, I know the Seahawks don't make sense. I just keep coming back to them because they're there and they're, they're like, they're the, you know, it's, um, it's, I, I likened it, I likened Cam Newton and Jadavid Clowney to buying a car on Craigslist. <laughs> so like, like, you know, you're going to show up with cash and you're going to get the car. Like, the only person in the transaction here who knows uh, what the car, what kind of shape the car is in is the guy who put the car on Craigslist and, or the, the guy who's owned the car last. And so I think, um, you know, it just it, like if you're the Seahawks, you're the only people in the world. Uh, who have a true idea of what kind of shape Jadavion Clowney's in. Um, and they, I think they just have their price on him, and they're willing to sort of play chicken with him. Uh, but, you know, maybe he could make a little sense down in Miami if, mm-hmm. you know, Brian Flores reportedly interested in him before. It does feel like the Dolphins, and they, they've added a lot of edge rushers, so, I mean, that, that might be overkill to go pay Clowney a ton of money. But they have cash to, be, to spend. Um, Clowney is a guy who, you know, still, in my opinion, is an elite talent, is – Ironically, Bill, I think the perception of him has changed so dramatically because when he came into the NFL, uh, all anybody talked about was the hit against Michigan in the in the Orange Bowl or the Citrus Bowl or whatever it was on New Year's Day, and it was like this big, you know, splashy play in the backfield. Now that was a, a run play, so that, that 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 qualifies. But like, it, it almost feels like he's been better against the run and less mm-hmm. of a pass rusher that and and you know typically we do tend to overvalue uh the uh situations where you know guys put up big sack numbers as opposed to pressures and run stuffs and so uh, from that perspective i think it probably hurts his case a little bit there too um but maybe i mean even a team like the indianapolis colts Mm -hmm. where it feels like they're the colts are you know they trade for everson griffin i know everson griffin to forrest buckner uh I, I also think, by the way, NFL writers should be given a waiver on any mistakes. Like, my brain has <laughs> functioned, like, differently over the last week when it comes to recall in certain right. – like, I've seen all kinds of stupid stuff, um, more so than usual. <laughs> but uh, my, my point being is I think that, like, a team like that, maybe a team that's sort of trying to make a play in 2020 mm-hmm. could go and, and offer Clowney something close to what he wants on a one-year deal and say, look, dude, come play for us, light it up. You know, you'll be our premier edge rusher guy, and uh, if you play really well, you're going to hit free agency again and, and, and probably make a ton of money when things are, you know, theoretically back to normal next year. Can I give you two spicy teams for Jadavion Clowney? Number one, Baltimore Ravens, a team that Ooh. has Matt Judon on a franchise tag and presumably is going to trade Matt Judon. Um, they don't think they see him as a long-term prospect. I don't think they see any pass rushers really as a long-term prospect. They really don't like 
paying those guys significant money. So you bring in Clowney on a one-year deal, you trade Judon, you get maybe a two for Judon, then you can get a three for Clowney next year as a compensatory pick. Um, you sort of stack pass rushers that way. It's all, all, you know, Clowney's just going to cost you basically what the franchise tag would be for Judon anyway. Um, I, I think Clowney's a better player than Judon. I like Judon a lot. I think he's underrated. I think Baltimore should sign him, but I don't think they're going to. But that kind of stack of, hey, let's, you know, replace the guy we have on a franchise tag with the guy who's on a one-year deal anyway, get two picks instead of one, get one more year of production from an edge rusher. I think that makes sense to me. And I, I'm going to say this team, and we're both going to be like, they can't afford it, and then I still think they'll find a way to do it anyway. What about the same? The same. <laughs> Why not? I mean, the same time, like eight. Mm-hmm. As soon as as soon as you said they can't afford it, but they'll find a way to do it anyway, it's like it has to be the same. It has to be the same. I mean, they can do one of those, you know, four avoidable year deals and and have you know a big dead money hit next year. I mean, there are teams in to win it this year. Um, I you know I don't know if this is Drew Brees' last season. I think you have to approach every year at this point like it is Drew Brees' final season. Uh, on the edge, you know, obviously Cam Jordan is locked down at one spot. Uh, Marcus Davenport has played pretty well, but a guy who's had some injury issues, um, a young player. I don't think you're going to hurt having Clowney in that rotation and having him, you know, as, as a rusher. I think it's for a Clowney, for a guy who said, Hey, I want to be a winner. I want to play in a winning football team. You know, those are, I think, the two best teams in either conference. So, uh, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't fault him. And I think the other options you look at, you know, it's the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles, uh, if they can find the cap space, the, the Seahawks, the Browns. Uh, even the Cowboys, who I think have said they're not really interested, but you know those teams all make sense. But if you want to play for a winner, you want to spike your value in advance of you know possibly hitting free agency in, in 2021. Uh, I mean, those are the two best teams to do it with. Yeah, and I think too. I mean, the Saints. I mean, nobody is strictly one type of defense in, you know, in 2020. But I mean, right. like the Saints make a ton of sense, especially if you were like, all right, listen, Cameron Jordan's going to play. Eighty percent of whatever the snap percentage is, and then we're going to rotate, like you said, Davenport and Clowney in there. I mean, look, Clowney, you know, for he, I mean, the reality is, is he's not he's not always been consistent, and I I think that dates back to his college days. Like that's just what happens when you're the most talented pass rusher in, I mean, physically gifted pass rusher. It's just difficult to get motivated on every single snap. And I think if you rotated him in, he could come in and go full bore on those rotational spots and really be able to crank up his numbers. And if he has X percentage of sa- or X, X sacks on X percentage of snaps, I mean, all of a sudden people start projecting those out to, you know, full season of 16 games next year, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the, the longer you, like, the the more your team wins, the more likely you are to get exposure as a guy who can produce. So, yeah, I like that idea a lot. Mm-hmm. The other guy you mentioned as the most prominent free agent out there, the the Craigslist car of the offensive side of the ball mm. is, is Cam Newton, who uh, has has Cam been cut yet officially? He has been released. Yes, he has Cam been has. Released. He has been released by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, there were so, there was like some buzz throughout the combine. That um, and I'm not you know want to name any names or anything, but it was like it was some reports that Cam like the Panthers were planning for Cam to be their week one starter. That was never the case. Like the Panthers have been planning to move on from Cam Newton mm-hmm. um, essentially since uh, the like essentially since they fired Ron Rivera. And I mean, I I said I think I probably said on this podcast last off season that if the Panthers stunk in 2019, that it was going to be an opportunity for David Tepper to 
bring in one of those big staples buttons, but instead of easy, it says reset. And he's going <laughs> to mash it really aggressively. And he's done exactly that this offseason. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a full bore reset for the Carolina Panthers. And, like, the, they, they issued a, uh, a, uh, a statement that was you know, published as an article on their website that they were allowing Cam to seek a trade. The, in the first paragraph, that statement said, you know, the, the, I think I don't know who wrote it for Panthers.com, but it was like signaling the end of a nine-year run mm-hmm. with the Panthers. This was this was not happening, uh, despite all Cam's vocal protestations in, in the public. Yes, it certainly seems like that is the case. Now, obviously, the quarterback market is pretty much set. I mean, a lot of teams have filled their veteran spots. So when you think about where Cam Newton might go, what are the options at this point? I think it is going to be problematic because for Cam, um, he is not going to want to go somewhere where he is a backup. That is not going to be something he's interested in. Um, we can get to another quarterback, Jameis Winston, who his old coach mentioned he could be a backup, and I think that maybe fits a little bit more. But I just can't picture Cam going somewhere where he's not at least given an opportunity to compete for the starting job. So the two teams – that I wrote down that I think actually I'll tell you what I'm going to give you three three spots for for Cam Newton okay. and they're all in the same division really and they are not the Kansas City Chiefs I think okay. the Chargers I know that I know that um, Colin Coward uh, had but Mike Florio wrote about this and I don't want to get into that whole debate <laughs> about whatever I don't know if you read that piece that Florio wrote today about Cam and Coward and uh, Coward Coward is talking about how. Tyrod Taylor over his last 46 games is better than Cam, and they're basically the same player. It's like that's just not like that's not true. And I, I, like if, if if Cam is 100 percent healthy, then Cam is absolutely one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. Now, is he 100 100 healthy? We have no clue, and teams won't know. And you can't trust an Instagram video that Cam's team made. So um, I think the Chargers make sense. They have Tyrod, and you know he is a guy where if Cam is um, you know. If Cam is not healthy, you roll with Taylor. And if Cam is healthy, he gives you a better option as a running quarterback who can operate in a scheme where he doesn't have to throw a ton and, and could you know, lean on the run game. So I, I'm surprised that they would not be interested in that. I think the Denver Broncos, uh, who have had firsthand experience with that defense of Von Miller playing against Cam Newton, should explore it as much as I like Drew Locke. And maybe bringing Cam in would um, – disrupt Locke's growth. I think this is a team that's actually kind of interesting in terms of making the playoffs and to only go with Locke is, is, is risky. Now, maybe it works out. Uh, you just have to trust John Elway's quarterback evaluations. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, what could go wrong, right? Um, and then, uh, and then I think that the Raiders, even though they signed Derek, I mean, uh, Marcus Mariota to back up quote unquote, back up Derek Carr on that big deal. Like I actually think Cam would be really interesting in, in John Gruden's system because, you know, he looked, and I know it's not, not the same thing at all, but like he looked for the first part of 2018 really, really comfortable in North Turner's system. That was the first time, and you know, we don't, we maybe don't mention enough that Ron Rivera uh, hitched Cam to Mike Shula for like seven or eight years. Yeah. That should get more run. Once Cam got a really well renowned offensive mind as his offensive coordinator, uh, and he had Rob Chizitsky's his rookie year, but once he got Norv in there, like he really. You know, he really played like a different quarterback, and I would be curious to see what he looked like in John Gruden's system. So those three teams are interesting to me. Yeah, um, just briefly as an aside, are we sure Drew Locke is good? 
Uh, I like Drew Locke, but I, no, we're not at all. He, he's played five games at the NFL level. And I mean, he posted a, a passer rating of 89.7. Um, you know, he was okay. I, I don't think Drew Locke did anything to prove he's not the guy, but. I mean, haven't we seen five game samples from Trevor Simeon that made people excited and then that the, the bottom kind of fell out of that or, you know, uh, two thirds of a season from Case Keenum or, you know, spots here and there from Joe Flacco or Brock Osweiler having a good, you know, few weeks. Like, I don't see any reason until we see Drew Locke play well in 2020 to think that the Broncos are set at quarterback. I, I agree. And I, it is like, it is tricky because. If you bring Cam Newton in with Drew Locke, I don't like so what the the Bears and the Raiders did, and this is it's like it's like can you can you professional athletes really be this sensitive? Like it's a weird thing for these for these coaches and GMs to do this, but the you know the Raiders brought in Marcus Mariota and gave him a big incentive laden deal. If he happens to become if he happens to Ryan Tannehill, ironically, you know Derek Carr, yes. uh, then he would get a ton of money. Otherwise. You know he's the quiet reserve backup that his that Derek Carr's brother described on NFL Network. Um, if you know, like the Bears didn't want to bring in Cam Newton, probably because a healthy Cam is one hundred percent starting over Mitchell Trubisky, whereas a healthy Nick Foles is like, yeah, you could have something resembling a tie in training camp and <laughs> and, and give it to Mitch Trubisky out of default because he's younger and a former first round pick. So, like, I think these teams are scared to do that, and I would imagine that John Elway is scared of the implication for Drew Locke if he brings in Cam Newton. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I, I think the Chargers make sense. You know, the Tyrod thing, I know they've said they want to support Tyrod. I'm a big Tyrod fan. I still think sure. a healthy Cam, to your point, is better than Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod has no more guaranteed money on his contract. So it could be a draft situation where, you know, if the Chargers do draft a quarterback with a six overall pair, where they pick they pick six, right? Uh, they do pick six because okay. the Panthers are Right. So if they pick six and they get a quarterback, Dolphins, hey. Chargers, Dolphins, Chargers, Panthers is that little run of quarterback needy teams. Yes, that's the most interesting part of the draft to me, that five, six, seven spot. Um, yeah, you know, I'd figure uh, if they draft Justin Herbert, um, they're not going to want Cam because then it'll be Taylor and Herbert. That makes sense. But if they draft a tackle with a six pick, well, then suddenly I could see a spot where Cam and Tyrod Taylor competing for the charting job makes sense because the Chargers – and this is famous last words from anybody who has been on the Chargers bandwagon in years past, including both of the people on this Skype call at the moment. Uh, the Chargers are not that far from competing. And, and with a, a veteran quarterback who plays well, I think they would be positioned to make the playoffs. Now, of course, the one other team who comes to mind are the New England Patriots. So, Will, do you think Cam Newton is a good fit for the Patriots? I think that he would be a, a a good fit and an interesting fit. Again, it might go back to the Jared Stidham thing. Now, theoretically, Bill Belichick shouldn't be scared of bringing in someone to compete with with Jared Stidham. Like, if you believe in Jared Stidham, then you have to believe he can beat out Cam Newton. Otherwise, you know what what are we doing here um, uh, outside of trying to spite win a Super Bowl with Jared Stidham just to to throw it in, in Tom Brady's face? And by the way, you mentioned the the Chargers, not to. Uh, go breaking news, but they have a much better chance of making the playoffs because the NFL literally, as we're recording this, announced the expansion of the playoffs to 14 teams. So there you go. Uh, that exciting. Um, I would say that I think what Bill Belichick might be doing is looking at the current quarterback market with Cam coming off multiple injuries, Jameis Winston coming off a meniscus repair uh, in February that we don't talk about for some reason, and Andy Dalton still in the Bengals, but likely to be released uh, if 
you know, they do draft Joe Burrow and they don't have any trade shooters. I know they're bluffing that they won't release, and we'll see about that. Um, I think Belichick understands that he's not in a rush to get a quarterback if he wants one of those veteran guys, A, uh, because the the outside world situation with, with Corona is, you know, keeping – um, you know, teams from doing these physicals and it's keeping, it, it could delay the offseason training program. And so I don't think he is, I think he might be willing to let this quarterback market ride out as long as he can if he does want to add somebody else and then get Cam on a deal like, you know, one year, $7 million or something like that, which sounds insane. But at a certain point, Cam Newton is going to have to take the best job that's available to him and for whatever reason, Bill, we've managed, sure, you know, the, the world is crumbling around us, but we do have a quarterback nirvana that exists across the NFL now. <laughs> well, speaking of quarterback nirvana, what about Jameis Winston? Where is Jameis Winston going to go if Cam Newton, who you'd figure is a better quarterback and has more upside than Jameis Winston, given that we're talking about a former uh, National Football League MVP, where does Jameis Winston land? It's remarkable that a 26-year-old former number one overall pick and former Heisman winner uh, who led the league in passing yards last year cannot get a sniff on the open market. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Like that, you know, you wouldn't think that. Like five years ago, if you if you explained that situation, nobody would be like, "What? What are you talking about? That ain't real." Um, I think the Steelers make sense. They are a team that clearly last year was competitive. Uh, even though they had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback behind Ben Roethlisberger, I think that if you brought Jameis in, and I'm not, like, I mean, people will make comparisons to Jameis and Ben for various reasons. I would, I would posit that they're on-field uh, stylistics, uh, that they're similar on-field stylistically to a to a certain degree. That maybe Jameis can learn to tighten things up a little bit from Ben in terms of um, make trying to extend the big play and, and make things happen. And if you're if you're the Steelers. If you can get him on a cheap deal and you know he's going to come into the system and work and work hard and be humble and all that, uh, maybe it would behoove you to go get another quarterback and just say, look, we don't know that Mason's our guy. We obviously benched him for Duck Hodges. Duck Hodges at one point. Uh, Duck Hodges probably not the guy either. We benched him for Mason Rudolph at one point. We need somebody with some upside because we do have a window with this defense, again, expanded playoffs. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, it makes a lot of sense for him in Pittsburgh. It does for me, too. I mean, this is a Steelers team that over the second half of last season, they averaged 1.01 points per possession, which was, think about the second worst offense in football. They were significantly worse than that offense. Um, Three teams who I think make sense one way or another for Jameis if it's not the Steelers. I would say the Jaguars, a team that does not have a veteran backup for – uh, Gardner Minshew. Maybe they want to challenge Gardner Minshew. I'm not sure, but that seems like it's a one of the few spots that have some availability right now. The Dolphins, who have Josh Rosen, if they don't draft Tua, I think Jameis Winston could make sense um, as someone to compete with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then the, the one that I like and the one that I think is sort of maybe the one place where some subset of the fan base would be excited about Jameis Winston The Dallas Cowboys, a team that is in a bit of a kerfuffle with their current starting quarterback, Dak Prescott, who they want to encourage to sign a long-term contract. And Jameis Winston is someone who I don't think he's anywhere near as good as Dak Prescott, but 
he is a guy who's going to take risks. And I think there are people who criticize Dak Prescott for not taking risks necessarily. And a guy who, if he got hot for a month, there could be an actual quarterback controversy in Dallas. So I don't know. Maybe if you're, if you're the Cowboys, one way of putting pressure on Dak Prescott to sign an extension on the Cowboys terms might be to get a backup quarterback who could theoretically win the job if you struggle or if you get hurt. I like that idea. It's uh, it would be very much a bleep you move by right. Jerry Jones. <laughs> I mean, it'd be an old it'd be an old fashioned Texas oil negotiation, right? Like, <laughs> well, you I, you don't want to pay for us for thirty three million dollars, Dak? We'll bring Jameis Winston in here. Jameis is great. We love Jameis. And like, you do like a flowery press conference where he, um, you know, compared Jameis to like a a, like a mosquito on steroids or something. <laughs> Or like like a mosquito eating spinach for a month or whatever whatever weird thing that Jerry Jones says about mosquitoes these days. So yeah, I can I can buy into that. And you know, I, I don't know that um I don't know that the Jameis and Mike McCarthy marriage necessarily makes sense, but I mean, this is a guy who I think for all the you know, Mike McCarthy's kind of gotten a rap in the you know, this is somebody who took Aaron Rodgers as an unfinished product who fell in the first round and developed him into one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, he has done a good job developing quarterbacks, so maybe Jameis would make a lot of sense. And even though Dak's been very healthy, that's a that's – a, I mean, Jameis is a really, really high upside backup option if you can get him to come in, buy into the system, lay low, um, you know, keep his nose in the, in, in the playbook, uh, learn the system. And, I mean, like worst-case scenario, you develop him and, and then trade him. Yeah, Jerry Jones famously – Multiple times has talked about circumcising the mosquito when it comes yeah. to how close some contracts are. So, uh, an interesting character that Jerry Jones. But yeah, a, uh, I think that's a logical landing spot for Jameis, but we will see. Um, we have a bunch more guys to get to. What about Everson Griffin, the Vikings defensive end who, uh, voided his contract with the Vikings after I think it was eight and a half sacks was his tiebreaker, but a guy who played really well, I thought. In the postseason, that was his best game of the year. Was the Saints win? So, where do you see Everson Griffin going? Yeah, and I think. Uh, to, by the way, this um, this uh, this Vikings defense has been gutted. This yeah, that's awesome. I mean, shoo, you start to look at it, you're like, "What is this? They get to lean on Kirk Cousins? Is that is that is that what's going to have to happen here?" Uh, I think the um, you know I think the this is would be more of a rotational spot depending on what they do with Olivier Vernon. But I think the Browns could potentially make sense. Um, you know, there was some buzz. They might be moving on from him. I think that was quickly shuttered. But, uh, you know, you could – I don't see anything wrong with adding more and more talent to that defensive line. And then I think the Giants would be a fairly logical landing spot as well. They've been uh, mentioned or bandied about for Clowney some. Uh, you know, it does feel like there's a, an immense amount of pressure on our pal Dave Gettleman to, uh, to win this year. Jay Glazer – uh, had a mailbag. These, by the way, these Jay Glazer mailbags turning into like the like NFL prophecy. Like he just like lobs these little like like monster nuggets in these mailbags is is sort of my favorite media thing of, <laughs> of last year. Like he basically got Odell Beckham. Like he he reported Odell Beckham was going to be traded in a, as a bold prediction in his mailbag last year, two years ago, and just immediately traded. Um, but he had mentioned that Dave Gettleman, you know, if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, the Giants aren't good, especially, with, again, the expanded playoffs, that he's probably out of there uh, in New York. And so it would make sense if you're Dave Gettleman that you, you go out and get veterans who can help you win now. And, you know, they, they did the thing with the franchise tag on Leonard Williams, uh, you know, 
maybe Griffin, Griffin isn't a perfect fit for the style of defense they want to operate, but I think they really need to get better uh, outside of you know a couple of you know star, potential star players they have on that defensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes total sense. Um, my my picks for Griffin aren't as exciting or aren't as sort of novel. I thought maybe the Seahawks as a possible sure. replacement for Clowney. Um, the Cowboys, who I still think need another edge rusher, could be a place they target in the draft. But maybe if they need to use one of their picks on replacing Travis Frederick, maybe they are more inclined to adding a free agent uh, edge rusher to help out Demarcus Lawrence. And then the Browns as a replacement for Olivier Vernon. Um, you sort of link that with Kevin Stefanski, who uh, of course came over from the Vikings with 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 Griffin for a long yep. time in Minnesota. But you'd figure. He's going to have a market at some point. Just too talented of a player and too many teams need pass rushers. The one team or one guy I would say I'm really surprised is not signed. Like I think I'm surprised Clowney hasn't signed. The rest of these guys, I kind of see why it hasn't happened. But one guy who's healthy, who was productive last year, who had a really good not only regular season but also postseason, I thought, was Logan Ryan of of the Tennessee Titans who, um, you know. Murdered Tom Brady's career. Ended Tom Brady's career with New England. Um, I have to admit, I'm pretty surprised Logan Ryan has not found a contract yet. Now, I know Chris Harris, for example, did not get the deal. Maybe he was expecting in free agency. It seems like teams are a little hesitant with those older cornerbacks, which is pretty smart based on history. But given that Logan Ryan was productive last year, where do you see a possible need for a veteran, talented slot cornerback? Yeah, and I think too that like Logan Ryan, if I'm unless I'm forgetting something, has like basically sort of intimated publicly. And Logan Ryan, by the way, uh, is one of like the most high character guys on the planet. Right. Like you, you know, um, I know your colleague Field Yates, uh, the program, <laughs> well, well, he pointed it out, but like he included it in there. Like I just remember seeing that tweet. I was like, yeah, I mean, like he is. Like he is. Logan Ryan has made a point about being a good person. Uh, as he's gotten paid uh, yep. throughout the course of his NFL career. Um, you know, the Cowboys sort of strike you as a team that could make sense, but uh, if they like the group of guys they have with Awuzie uh, and Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, I mean, if I'm Dallas and I've taken the, like, sort of the, the losses, like Byron Jones, et cetera, et cetera, and Sean Lee is back, but we don't know what's going to happen with Leighton Van Der Esch, and um, you know, we're sort of missing some, some spots up front. Gerald McCoury, Don Terry Poe added. Like, I would be very concerned about the depth of my secondary if I was Dallas, and so I would be interested in signing a guy like you know, Logan Ryan who can be you know, a veteran uh, nickel corner. You mentioned Chris Harris went out and got paid. Um, so, I, mean, I mean, the Broncos already have – Bryce Callahan, so I don't know if they're, you know, looking to necessarily dive into a guy who's, um, you know, similarly, you know, plays the nickel similarly like that. But Logan Ryan can play outside too. I mean, it's not like he, you know, is limited entirely in in, in where he goes. Um, and uh, who's the other team? Uh, maybe the Raiders, right? Depending on because mm-hmm. the Raiders have those two first round picks. But gosh, I mean, they, they they feel like they really need some help in the secondary. And if I was Oakland, I'd be looking to bolster it before the draft, so I don't, you know, uh, you know pigeonhole myself in what I have to take with those picks. 100%. And the Raiders last year moved LaMarcus Joyner from safety back to the slot. That did not go well. It was a disaster. So wouldn't shock me if the Raiders put LaMarcus Joyner back at free safety. You have 
Uh, Jonathan Abram playing strong safety in the box. You have Jeff Heath as that third safety. That's the best fit for everyone involved. So if you sign Logan Ryan, now you have an upgrade at slot corner, which was a real problem for them last year. One team that came to mind for me, not a ton of cap space, but a team that does like veterans, does have a need at slot corner is the Los Angeles Rams, who have Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill are going to be their outside corners. That makes sense. They both played well last year. Uh, Logan Ryan, could be a fit there in the slot. Uh, I think that makes total sense. A guy who you can not only match up against those slot receivers, but also maybe occasionally against a George Kittle, for example, uh, I think is someone who could be very valuable for them for a team that we know. I mean, they need bargains. Logan Ryan could be a relative bargain at a position of need. So uh, the Rams came to mind for me as a possible team that could make sense there. I, I like it. That's a good call. And, you know, I think we're sort of, have we just have have we dismissed the Rams too much this off season? Like it feels like we're just sort of kicking the Rams. That's fair. Like, That's fair. I was watching that Rams Chiefs game last night, and I was like, "Hmm, these guys are pretty good." You know, I mean, yeah. like, and a lot of those guys are still there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 cra- like it's. I mean, I feel like the consensus amongst the media is that the Rams are like borderline the worst team in that division now. I yeah, I think they're still better than the Cardinals. Who I mean. They were given the biggest gift in the NFL this offseason, and I still think did not have a great offseason given the rest of the moves they made. Yeah, I just I feel like I feel like everybody wants the, they think oh like oh like everybody's willing the Cardinals over the Rams and just assuming the Rams will be worse than the like it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating test for the Rams. But yeah, you're right. I mean, like they need to they need to find some bodies who can help for sure. And if he's willing to you know take limited money to play for a good team, I, I, there's a lot of questions about that defense then. Yeah, absolutely. Another per- another team, or sorry, another another player. I think the Rams could go for at the right price, which is not going to be very much. Is our next guy, Devontae Freeman, a running back who, I mean, you know, granted was not worth what the Falcons were paying. That contract did not work out, but he's had no market and a guy who I think can still be a pretty useful runner between the tackles. Yeah, the the Rams is a good choice for him. Um, I, I got to think it's weird, but this was. Uh, like borderline the most difficult free agent to match up with teams because <laughs> you're like who <laughs> like because this running back class is in the draft. I mean, you know, between Dob- J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, Clyde Edward Hilaire out of LSU, um, Jonathan Taylor uh, out of Wisconsin. I mean, like all four of those guys could go in like the final two or three picks of the first round, but more than likely these guys are going to end up going in the second round. And I think these teams who have a need at running back are like, all right, we could give Devontae Freeman. You know, six million bucks, or we could give you know one of these young guys with fresh legs six million bucks over the entire course of their career. Now, there's something to be said for getting a veteran running back, um, but yeah, I, I I was I think the Rams make sense given that they moved on um, from uh, Todd Gurley, obviously. And then the the other thing I was looking at that makes sense. I was like, oh, the, the Falcons could use him, yeah. Uh, but but obviously the Falcons cut him. I think the. Uh, I think you could maybe could look at a team and Devontae would have to be willing to take, you know, a secondary role here, but even a team like the Chicago Bears, if they're worried a little bit about David Montgomery or the Indianapolis Colts, if they wanted to get a, a similarly somewhat similarly styled runner to Marlon Mack as insurance for Mack. Again, like if you're trying to go all out for this year and you need to get somebody who can sort of seamlessly slot in there, that could make sense. Yeah, I actually went with Carlos Hyde 
as a fit for the Bears, one of the players who we're going to get to a little later on. Um, I think Hyde, just because he did spend that offseason in Andy Reid's offense, so he probably has a little bit of familiarity with it. Um, not that that's going to be the end of the world, but a guy who turned down an offer from the Texans, which that would have, you know, uh, if he had just accepted that offer, the entire offseason turns on an axis uh, for Carlos Hyde. He gets paid more. Uh, the yeah. DeAndre Hopkins trade doesn't happen. The whole thing, the, the whole universe is, is off its axis. So, um, I thought Hyde made sense for the Bears and I thought Freeman made sense for the Rams possibly or the Lions, a team that seem like they are number one, not the smartest, uh, not, not, not the sharpest knife in the drawer when it comes to their decision making with players, but also a team that seems a little frustrated with Carryon Johnson, a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy and, and tough talked about possibly adding a running back to compete with him. Yeah, uh, that could make sense as well. I think that you could lob the Buccaneers in there too. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're looking for a team, it, it is a little surprising that they haven't really, like, I was shocked they didn't go out and sign Deion Lewis. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he took a backup job with the Giants instead of going to join his buddy Tom Brady in, in Tampa Bay. So maybe Tampa Bay, you know, they, they've seen Freeman play. They can get him on a cheaper deal. Maybe they can, they can bring him in. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think the Lions, the other thing about Detroit that, you know, you have the, the Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, Patriots connection. They like to, you know, not afraid to go out and get you know, veteran guys on cheaper salaries who can come in and, and supplement what they have in house. And it seems like, at least uh, to me, that they might be going for uh, a grinder type of offense. I don't think they're going to suddenly open it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at they add um, Geronimo Allison and Danny Amendola, low cost free agent signings, but that's two slot guys. Like, are, are you going to? You know, are you going to try and spread teams out? Are you going to are you going to dink and dunk it with Stafford? Try to be high efficiency, you know, low tempo. I was like, it, I'm curious what the offense exactly is going to be, but I would I would you know, surmise that they are going to lean on the run as much as they can, and so getting additional help for that in, in the form of Freeman would make sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, a guy who I thought would have more of a market might just be waiting for training camp to. Signed somewhere, a guy who just might, you know, not want to be in camp, which I can't fault him at his age. Jason Peters, uh, we've seen so many tackles get pretty decent sized deals, even guys who have very little experience. Jason Peters did slip last year, but a veteran who was still playing at a, a passable level at left tackle, which is pretty valuable. Where do you think the market for him is going to land? Yeah, uh, to, it's just, a, I mean, if I'm Jason Peters and I, and like, I'm kind of Jason Peters because uh, you know, he's 38. I mean, like, we're, you know, like, he, I, if I, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm rich. I don't need to keep doing this and like bouncing around to different teams. But I mean, for, for his, it's, it's what's crazy is he was drafted as a tight end. Uh, I guess he was an undrafted free agent, but like he came out as a tight end when he landed with Buffalo and ended up being this like borderline Hall of Fame offensive tackle throughout the course of his career, still playing at 38. It's wild. Uh, I would say that two teams who sort of stood out to me, one, the obvious team would be the, the Los Angeles Chargers, who clearly need some offensive line help, uh, you know, are going to roll with Tyrod Taylor, maybe a rookie quarterback, which means that at some point you could have a, you know, uh, Justin Herbert under center early in the season and you need as much protection help as you can get. And then I don't hate the idea, and I don't know that this would actually happen, um, especially given that the DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins trade occurred and they've they've got the a lot of players in there and they might draft another tackle with their first pick. Mm-hmm. But the Arizona Cardinals, you know, they have DJ Humphreys there. They have they got Marcus Gilbert at right tackle. Like I, I get that they're set, but maybe Jason Peters is willing to come in and 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 be, you know, a, a guy who 
Like, would he do a would he be a depth signing, or is he going to have to go somewhere where he's going to be the day one starter? Because I think mm-hmm. if like if you're if you're Arizona, you need to get as much protection as you can. Because if you get if you get some depth at tackle, like I can start depth or depth of the offensive line as a whole. I guess I can start to see a like you can really see the offense sort of take shape here. And if, if they're going to be running tempo, you want to have more bodies you can put out there. Additionally, I thought Cliff Kingsbury got much better at his job as the season wore on. Yep. So I would be certainly looking to improve that depth in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you have to start Marcus Gilbert. I mean, he, you know, did sign a one-year deal, but this is a guy who's missed like 30 games over the past three years. So, like, I don't think you're sitting here counting on him to be there for 16 games. And if you are, that's dumb. You shouldn't do that. So, yeah. you know, I think Peters makes total sense there as a possible right tackle, even if you want to keep DJ Humphreys on the left side. Maybe he doesn't want to play right tackle. I can't say. But um I think a bunch of things make sense. I think you look at the Broncos, who – have to be sick at Garrett Bowles at this point. And that's a big hole in their offensive line. They've invested a lot to try and make that line work. They want to be competitive. John Elway is someone who's who's making decisions like he wants to win this year, not three or four years from now. He wants to evaluate uh, Drew Locke no matter how good he is. So that can make sense for them. Uh, I thought the Chargers, a, a team that still need a left tackle who – you know, sign Brian Balaga. You'd figure he's going to be a right tackle. They could draft a tackle with a six pick, but if they don't draft a tackle, if they go and grab a a quarterback in the first round, well, now he's your feeling left tackle for this year while you figure left tackle out next year. I mean, there's just a, you know, I think just there, there's more left tackle openings than there are viable left tackles. And Jason Peters is still, at least to me, a viable left tackle. So I think if he wants to play, he's going to have an opportunity to play somewhere. I, I would agree with that. Who do you see, or do you see anyone? Maybe maybe this is another guy who you think just should go home and is good and can rest on his laurels as a guy who had a nice career. But Snacks Harrison, um, the nose tackle formerly of the Detroit Lions, do you see a spot for him? Uh, you would figure I, probably with a contender. Yes, I actually think there is a contender uh, that just lost an underrated uh, player in DJ Reader to free agency that has – a lot of talent on the off- on the defensive line and on the defense, but has sort of seen a, a brain drain of sorts, whether it's in the front office or uh, or uh, or on the, on that defense over the last few years with Clown- Jadavion Clowney leaving, Reader leaving. Uh, what about the uh, Houston Texans? You know, it's you true. pair them. I don't know if I mean I I don't know. I think you slot them in there with JJ Watt and, and see what could happen. You got Whitney Merciless coming off the edge, uh, Zach Cunningham sort of developing into a nice linebacker there. And so, you, you know, they paid Bradley Roby this offseason. It's a very different defense. It's still operating, um, you know, the same sort of principles and approaches. So I, I, I could, I could, uh, I could see that working as a landing spot with a, a contender where, you know, they're, you know, he's not going to have to go in there and be the hero on the defensive line that locks everything down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought about two teams also in a, you know, two competitive teams, two teams that are you're presumably competing for a Super Bowl this year. Pittsburgh, which did lose uh, Javon Hargrave to the Eagles. They did trade for Chris Wormley. They have some depth up front, but, you know, I, I could see them giving Hargrave a shot. Or sorry, not Hargrave, but uh, Harrison a shot as the nose tackle and, you know, using him for, for snaps here and there. Uh, that's going to be a team that's going to be competing at the highest level. The Niners, a, a team that did lose some of their defensive tackle depth this year they traded of course buckner away they lost sheldon day um you know dj jones is still there i think he's an underrated player but again a team that you know they're going to rotate eight defensive linemen for a chunk of the year that's what they wanted to do last year and did last year so wouldn't shock me if they go out uh and get a a veteran nose tackle for for those run situations i think it makes total sense so um i I think he is a 
logical fit for a lot of teams if they are looking for a, a two-down defensive tackle. I don't think it's going to be for a lot of money, so that may influence Harrison's desire to play again. Um, I can't fault him if he says, I'm good, he made a lot of money, was a great player for a long time, but I think he could make sense for teams who uh, want to plug a guy in there. And then I want to finish you, up. Hey, by, by, the way, by the way, Bill, do you think that um, for these guys, do you think this is more about the the national health situation where they're kind of trying to see how it rides out, or is it, is it teams are being – very patient and very hesitant to sign guys knowing that the draft is coming up. And like, it does feel like these bigger name free agents sometimes and bigger name secondary free agents, I guess would be the way to put it. Uh, it's like, all right, let's you know, th- like Devonte Freeman is going to command some kind of money. Like he's not going to be dirt cheap, right? Like snacks. Harrison's not going to just work for nothing. So it's like, if you want to bring those guys in, maybe you wait and see how the draft shakes out. Is that, do you think that's how it happens this year? I think it's fair. Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both the, the the two options, especially because, you know, those guys do have more tread on their tires. For someone like a Damon Harrison, you know, you want to see what shape he's in before you commit, you know, uh, $3 million in guaranteed money. Let's just throw out as a number there because he's probably not going to come for much less and you don't want to spend even that much money without getting a full medical. So it could be a situation where these guys wait until June or July or August until they find the right spot. So, yeah, I think absolutely that's Hardly out of the question and it makes total sense. Um, let's finish up here. We'll get to a trade in a moment. But first, one guy who's not a free agent, but I assume is going to be, either he's going to restructure his current contract or move on from the Kansas City Chiefs is Sammy Watkins. Now, the wide receiver market was cold this year. Robbie Anderson got a two-year deal from the Panthers. There was not that sort of, you know, there wasn't a lot of talent necessarily, but even the the, the sort of mid-tier guys got one-year contracts. It was a pretty, pretty tight market, especially because, this year's draft class for wide receivers is so good. But Watkins, obviously uh, an extremely talented athlete, a guy who has been productive in big moments, including during last year's postseason. What do you think his market would look like? Yeah, it would be it'd be fascinating. I mean, it's like Sammy Watkins is still quietly 26 years old. <laughs> like, how, how is that possible? Yeah. I feel like he's played for a lot of teams, right? Three, three NFL teams already. Um, I think – I think it would be pretty spicy. I think there's a reason why the Chiefs are holding off. And by the way, I, I, should, I should mention too, I know um, uh, Nick Corday of Over the Cat does a great job of this stuff too. And I haven't looked at the new CBA to see if they changed the deadline, but mm-hmm. May 8th is the compensatory pick free agent formula deadline. It's also possible that teams want to wait until after that deadline to sign some of these guys and would be willing to spend more. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think too, like you don't want to sign Snacks Harrison – don't have a physical until after the draft, you know, uh, skip drafting a defensive tackle. And then all of a sudden you're bang when you, know, you don't, you can't get a, you know, like you missed it. You messed up on building out your roster because of the, 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 the uh, Corona situation. So, but yes, Sammy Watkins, I think um, could make, I mean, a he makes sense as a trade possibility, but B if he landed, I think teams uh, like the Eagles would certainly need to be interested in him, like a Deshaun uh, Deshaun Jackson type of replacement. I think a team like the Texans, and I know they signed Randall Cobb, but you know surely Houston can't consider themselves done when it comes to to adding depth there. Maybe you could even go with uh, the the Denver Broncos, a team we've yeah. mentioned a bunch. You know they have Tim Patrick right now, and they've been tied to Henry Ruggs and C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. But it's possible one of those guys isn't sitting there for them when when they make their pick, and uh, they do need to get some help. I think outside to to supplement with Court and Sutton. Yeah, I thought about the Broncos. I thought maybe the Raiders make sense as a team yeah. where 
you know, they have Tyrell Williams. They, they signed Nelson Aguilar. They have Hunter Renfro who's going to operate out of the slot. They have, you know, Marcel Aitman, Zay Jones, guys who are, you know, uh, Keelan Doss. Those guys are all going to be competing for roster spots and they could still very easily draft a wide receiver in the first round, but that doesn't stop you from signing Sammy Watkins. Doesn't, it's not the worst thing in the world if you have, you know, Sammy Watkins and, um, you know, maybe Jerry Judy and, and Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro. It's good to have options for your quarterback. That's not a bad thing I, I, on the side. I think, I think the Raiders too, like if you put, if you draft, let's say you draft Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. I mean, it's going to be difficult for one of those guys to come in and just be the focal point of that offense by themselves. Like you're asking somebody to take, granted they played at, you know, Alabama and Oklahoma respectively. Those are big time programs. They played, I mean, you know, CD, look at, look at the defense that CD Lamb played against last year and watch some of the coverages he got. Like he's not exactly going up against elite press man corners at the NFL level. So I would, I, I would, I would say too that like if you can add a Sammy Watkins to supplement it, it would make a lot of sense. I don't know how much they want to trade for him or if they would trade for him in division, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. The Raiders make a ton of sense. Yeah. And I mean, I would even say, even though they, they signed Devin Funches, I would say the Packers come to mind for me yeah. as a team where, you know, I think Devin Funches is an okay addition. It doesn't, didn't cost them very much, two and a half million dollars, but I think Sammy Watkins when healthy is a different, caliber of player than Devin Funches and a guy who, you know, Devin Funches has had injury issues. Sammy Watkins, we know, has had injury issues. I, I would rather be sitting here saying, hey, let's bring in them both. We don't have to count on either of them to play 16 games. We can sort of rotate them, try and keep them both healthy. And hopefully by the time we get to January, as what happened with the Chiefs, we have a guy who's healthy and, and who can still play at a high level. So uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested. I don't know how much he's going to get because of that draft class and because you know, he is probably going to get cut or traded this far into free agency. But a guy who I think, you know, a lot of teams are going to put their eyes out for if he does get released by the Chiefs. So uh, I think there's a really interesting possibility there with yeah. Sammy Watkins. By the way, I would throw out just two other teams very quickly. Yeah. Uh, the New York two two teams that like might not be the sexiest fits, but like the New York Jets. Sammy Watkins is really good at taking. Unless you said the Jets, and I'm an idiot with uh, hearing. Okay, cool. Um, the the, uh, the Jets. Like Adam Gase's offense, I think would kind of be tailored for Sammy Watkins, a guy who can get, you know, get off press covers at the line of scrimmage, get open in short yardage. You get him in space, use him in the screen game, give, you know, easy quick hitters on slants to Sam Darnold, and all of a sudden he can just take it to the house because he's just so explosive like that, but also capable of going over the top. And then look, if you're the Vikings and you trade Stephon Diggs for a first round pick, but you really need to use that first round pick on uh, maybe a cornerback or uh, a pass rusher or even an offensive lineman where you have, you know, all three, you have great areas of need and you're looking at your, your roster and Olasabi Johnson and, and Tajay Sharp are your number twos. Uh, maybe Sammy Watkins could, could really make sense. Like if you go from Diggs to Watkins is a drop off, but given how little they like to pass the ball, maybe it's not that big a drop off at all. And getting a first round pick is worth it. My sure. one concern about Sammy Watkins to the Jets is you know like week four, there was going to be a spectacularly weird injury that happens to Sammy Watkins if he's with the Jets. Sure. Like he'll get um like he'll step on a nail. Yes. Or that's not even weird. Or like he'll he'll like it'll be like a like what did what did Jeff Kent do for the Giants back in the day? He, he got hurt in the shower. He was on a four wheeler, I think. Oh really? Yeah, like, like Sammy Watkins will get hit by a limo in Times Square or something. <laughs> That's kind of dark. So. He'll be fine. He, we don't want him to get injured. I remember last year on this podcast, I because I wanted to see Blake Bortles play with the Rams so uh, so badly suggested jared goff get mono i was like well that's the one you know not significant injury where no one gets hurt i did and 
my my instincts were correct, but they were just slightly off when it came to the young you quarterback. The quarterback would get mon- I mean, if you if you like if you'd gone on like uh, Sports Center with SBP for a hit and been like. My bold prediction is that a quarterback gets mono this year. He'd be like, that's weird. And you would have looked like, uh, I mean, you'd be like a borderline, like Miss Cleo type of personality. <laughs> who was the guy who was on SportsCenter? It was like the sort of gambling guy back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, I can uh, see his face, but I can't think of his name. He was on with Berman. This is post Jimmy the Greek. Oh, uh, who's the, the, oh, Hammer and Hank? Hammer and Hank. I could be the Hammer yeah, and Hank. Yeah, he works for us now. He's at CBS. Oh, tremendous. I could be yeah. the modern Hammer and Hank. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, hey, Hammer and Hank. Man, that guy. Can you imagine the stories that he has? He must. He mu- absolutely must. Which is great. What a character. Um, all right. We have two trades to get to. I think we, uh, one or two trades we can get to here in the last couple minutes here. The one guy who comes to mind, a guy who's been tweeting today about how he wants to move on, is Yannick Ngakwe. So, Will, what do you think the return for Yannick Ngakwe might look like, and where do you think he is most likely to end up? Well, here's what I don't think it'll look like, uh, Bill. My colleague and good friend Pete Prisco, mentor, some would say, uh, tweeted two ones or no go. Uh, Pete, I don't know if you'll hear this, but you're a raving lunatic. There's no <laughs> chance that they're getting two first-round picks for Yannick Ngakwe. Like, that was the haul for Cleo Mack. Uh, I think as I think I, immediately after Pete tweeted that he got bodied by Daniel Jeremiah and his own colleague Jason Lockin Forrest. So uh, <laughs> it's like probably not. And Pete Pete knows the Jaguars really well, so it's possible that that's where the Jags' head is at. I think, but so. it shouldn't be. Like they had to work to get two ones for Jalen Ramsey mm-hmm. and Yannick Ngakwe plays a very valuable position. But the idea that a team is going to give up two ones for him is just out of control. I think. A better idea, if I were the if I were the Jaguars, what I would do is I would call the New York Giants and a desperate Dave Gettleman and say, "Hey, look, man, uh, we will give you Jonathan Gakwe for your second round pick, which is a top, you know, five pick in the in the in the second round. Like that's a top forty pick, and that's a pretty good pick. And I I would consider that while it's embarrassing that you're losing another player of Jonathan Gakwe's talents that you drafted. Um, so we're looking at. Um, you know, between, I mean, two, like Jalen Ramsey and Yannick Ngakwe demanding to leave, uh, not to mention the embarrassing Calais Campbell trade this offseason. Uh, I still think you just need to get something in return because it does feel like Yannick Ngakwe is sort of uh, dug in on this situation. The other spot that can make a lot of sense, too, maybe that first-round pick for the Eagles. It's a pretty high pick, and I know they um, have been eyeing a, a possible wide receiver there, like a Justin Jefferson or Denzel Mims type in this class. That would, that would certainly fit. So maybe they're not willing to give that up. I just don't know how any. I don't know how you think you're going to get a, a great haul for him at this point, given how they've managed it. Yeah, I mean, here's the problem with the idea that you're going to get two ones for Yannick and Gakwe. Maybe they will if they do great, but the problem is, there's only a few teams in the NFL who are willing to give up two first round picks and make that sort of move, who don't really value draft picks, and two of them are the Rams and the <laughs> Texans, who have already done it. So you kind of got beat to the punch. Like, granted, they were get they got the picks from the Rams. So hey, great, but you can't go back and get blood out of a stone and get more first round picks when the Rams don't have first round picks to deal for another couple of years. So I, I think you're at a point where there's only so many teams who are going to be willing to consider making that sort of move. So I mean, the Bears, you know, are just getting their first round pick back. They don't need an edge rusher. Um, you know, there's just not Jerry Jones has sort of 
come off the idea that he's going to trade a ton of first round picks. Um, could could they get a one? Yeah, I do think they can get a one. I do think that's gonna, that's you know more possible to me. But I think it's a late one. You know, I don't think they're getting that sort of haul. So that's you know if that's well, the bar. Well, let, let's do, let's look at the Jalen Ramsey. Like you literally created the market, Jaguars. You got two first two two picks in the first round that we all presumed at the time would be later in the first round because the Rams are a good team. Um, they you know. I, they are both later. Or is it, the, the other one is next year. Is that right? Did we already give up one of them? Uh, How am the, I losing? I think it's this year or next year. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I'm literally, again, I'm losing track of things and time yes. and space and all that stuff. But when you trade Jalen Ramsey and you trade him, you know, in the middle of the 2019 season, uh, he is on, you know, hit the final year of his fifth year deal. And then he's going to have a or final year, his fourth year rookie contract deal. And then he has a fifth year option coming up this season. And then the Rams can franchise tag him. They have two and a half plus years of team control. Uh, the team that is getting Yannick Ngakwe presumably has to immediately give him a new contract because he's on the franchise tag. And so, yes, you could get uh, a Frank Clark or D Ford type of deal. So, like, so A, the, the Jaguars already created the market of two first rounds for a guy with that much control in Jalen Ramsey, who's a top five player at his position, if not better. Um, Yannick Ngakwe does not meet those requirements to get the first two first round picks. And then B, there's already a, a, precedent, a, a precedent set in terms of the market for franchise tag pass rushers. We've seen a lot of these guys, like I said, Frank Clark and D Ford. Uh, you're just not getting a high first or a mid first for these guys because they have to. You know, the other team has to give up a contract. You've got to do a physical. Um, you don't. You know, you can't sit down and get. It, there's just a whole bunch of things that go into place here. So sure. I, I think rather Jaguars. I would love a late first or early second pick for him. Yeah, I would too. Um, anyone else who comes to mind for you as a possible trade candidate? Uh, in the next month or so. Okay, I have a, I have a kind of a, I have two. One guy that I would throw out there as a trade possibility. Okay. Um, and I don't think it's like it's been explored, and maybe they're sort of backing off of. But I think Odell Beckham yeah. is still an interesting name that could be traded again this off season. I mean, it, clearly that the time with the Browns uh, did not work out. Um, you could, I mean, like it's, it would it be that crazy if the Browns called the Patriots and said, "We'll give you Odell for a first round pick." And the Pats send their first, and then Cleveland drafts like C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy with their first, with their top pick or you know, Justin Jefferson. Right, like if I were Cleveland, I would be definitely interested in that. And if I was New England, I would at least consider it because you know you're going to get a weapon for Jared Stidham or whoever else you're bringing in. And um, to me, that would make a lot of sense. But uh, I, I just don't think we can rule out Odell Beckham being dealt again. Although the way that this off season is working, it may be. Might be too convoluted to pull off. I mean, you know, I think stranger things have happened, including last year when Odell Beckham got traded. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a few months after the Giants GM said we're not trading him, so and I'm sorry, to an extent, yeah. yes, sorry, so, so yeah. we didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him. I believe was the sure. uh, the phrase that came to mind. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I don't think you can rule anything out. You know, even new brain trust there with the Browns. Um, not maybe not new, new, but like certainly. Uh, you know, different from the John Dorsey brain trust that made the trade. They got the seal doll up close for a year. I don't think he was a problem with the Browns last year, but maybe you sit there and say, hey, that's someone who we're, you know, we'll think about moving, especially with a, a wide receiver heavy class, hardly out of the question. Maybe the Eagles are sitting there at 21 and you say, hey, like, what's, you know, maybe they make that trade. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, we've already seen multiple, I mean, like the DeForest Buckner deal, you know, you, you're trading, thir- the Colts traded 13. Knowing that they couldn't get a guy 
Uh, you know, Stephon Diggs too. Like the reason that these teams gave up a first round pick for him is that they knew they were going to be picking a position. They were going to be picking that position in the first round. It's a position of need. You cannot get DeForest Buckner in the first round. I mean, your, your best case scenario is your guy turns into DeForest Buckner in a couple of years. You can't get Stephon Diggs probably out of the box uh, with 22 right there. The Bills saw the, saw the market. So you know, if you're the Eagles, you're like, eh, you know, there's a chance that four wide receivers come off the board before it gets to us and we have to trade up anyway. Let's just go get Odell for a first-round pick. Yeah, hardly out of the question. Well, Will. I have, I, have, I have one more. Yes, please. A player-for-player player trade. Okay. And maybe, maybe this is a, a lunatic uh, mission. What do you think about this, though? O.J. Howard for Julian Edelman. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it. it it's. I, I think Patriots fans would go crazy, but I like it. Patriots fans would like it, right? I don't know. Patriots fans like Julian Edelman. Yeah, but like, do they like Julian? Do they like Julian? I mean, obviously they love Julian Edelman, but do they like Julian Edelman as a, an elite wide receiver, or do they love Julian Edelman as the scrappy underdog um, playoff monster who's Tom Brady's best friend? Because if you like him for the second reason, I think you take OJ Howard for him. It's interesting. I mean, I I like it. But I think it'd be a tough sell. I just think you already lost Brady. You're losing the, the next most, most prominent player, I think, on this offense, the Patriots fans. Not that Patriots fans are going to abandon the team, but it, it, it would be tough. But you know what? Maybe you say, hey, we ripped off the Band-Aid. Let's go for it. I, I think that's a really interesting trade for a team that does need a tight end. And, and the, the Bucks. I mean, you know, they have Chris Godwin on the slot, but you have Edelman on the slot. That's going to be, you know, certainly Tom Brady's very comfortable with Julian Edelman in the slot, so I, I I could see it. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't be the the craziest trade I've ever heard of. But uh, go, go go four wide, or, I mean, three yeah. wide. You put guy outside if you need to, and let I mean, and like it would it would allow the transition for Tom Brady. It would allow Tom Brady to acclimate to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin more easily. Not that it's hard to get used to those guys, but you would have that safety net of of Julian Edelman underneath. And you still have Cameron Brake there who can be a great red zone weapon. So uh, yeah, it's just something I thought of while we were prepping for the pod. (laughs) Well, we could sit here and trade and and come up with fake trades all day. I feel like that would be a six hour podcast we can come up with, but you are probably on the way to do an emergency podcast, even though nothing is broken. Just given that you are the playoff news broke. So maybe the playoff news broke. That's true for the, the most frequent. And I would say, most prominent broadcaster when it comes to the NFL is our friend Will Brinson. And Will, people want to check out that podcast or everything else you do, where can they do that? Yeah, you can check out the Pick 6 podcast on Apple Podcasts. Now it's up on Google Podcasts on your iPhone, which is weird. Uh, you can uh, go to Spotify or Stitcher. And every day between now and the draft and perhaps beyond, depending on what happens with the pandemic, uh, the Pick 6 podcast show at 4 p.m. Eastern, an hour long, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, myself, Ryan Wilson, Sean wagner and John Breach uh, go, uh, I, I don't want to say we go around the horn because that might be a copyright violation, but we do, we pass the baton in a, in a, in a, in a circular fashion and give, uh, give sports takes. So people can check that out on our free streaming sports network online. Awesome. Well, we'll. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have you back on next month, as I'm sure as we always do. All right, Bill. Be safe, buddy. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to my guest, Will Brinson of CBS. We'll be back next week. More football, more audio. Hope you guys are healthy, doing well. Hope we can sort of distract you 
in these difficult times with some football discussion, but more audio coming next week.